Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London This Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the official London is Blue Chelsea gear. It's all approved by us. Guys, joining us in on the celebrations are Dan and Nick. But before we get into basking of the whining from the United fans, Dan, where in the world are you? Uh, the, the accurate statement would be that I am in uh, the land of Conte uh, and uh, in Italy right now. And it's a uh, and we're recording this uh, late for your time, but early for me. It's about four thirty a.m. in uh, in Florence. Nick, the level of dedication that Dan is showing is just next level. Yeah, I mean, that is uh, that's pretty stellar, uh, kind of uh, workmanlike, like Antonio Conte. So I think he would approve of this. Uh, that's all I'm looking for is his, uh, you know, his his approval. Awesome. Maybe, maybe a hug too. Who's to say? <laughs> One of those like uh, you know, clasping handshake, um, you know, hug with the, the pounding on the back. That's all I want. It is very patriarchal of him. Uh, guys, let's kick this off with some shout-outs. You know how we do it. Uh, let's see. I said it last week, but I'm pretty sure it's not me. Dan, who is reading the iTunes reviews this week? Uh, the, the powder cake himself, probably fueled with a little a little fire from last hmm. night, has, has a few wonderful reviews to read for us from uh, from iTunes. That's right. Got, a, got three here. Um from Lampard eight 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 eight, I think is that's all the eights. Uh, fantastic review uh, from email twenty seven, <laughs> which is one of my favorite iTunes names ever. And uh, Laird of Glencoe um, is is our final one. All five stars. They know what's up. Uh, if you would like Dan, uh, who will be traveling around the world for God knows how long, uh, to give you a shout out. Um, all you have to do, go to iTunes, submit a review. Uh, you know, we obviously appreciate the five stars, but, um, you know, 
do what's right in your heart and uh, and we will shout you out on the next podcast. Absolutely. So before we get into this, as always, a uh, quick message from our presenting sponsor. And then on the backside, we're getting into the Manchester United review. Nick, what do we have? As always, we would encourage you to go sign up for a profile on worldsoccershop.com. It is quick. It's easy. You can track your orders. You can get special offers and discounts. Uh, it is a really painless process, and it and it's, provides you the opportunity to have easy checkout. So, you know, we, we obviously plug World Soccer Shop a lot on the show, but it is one of the easiest, quickest things that you can do, and uh, we encourage you to do it. All right, time for the main event, listeners. Manchester United and the FA Cup. Thankfully, we're at home at Stamford Bridge this past Monday, March 13th. In case you missed it, the score was Blues 1, Red Devils 0. Starting lineup time, you know, Dan, we had seen seven changes, nine changes in the past few rounds. Talked a little bit about this last week. You know, is Conte going to make a bunch of changes or not? You know, I think, Nick, you were the one saying that the later we get, the less changes are going to be there. But, Dan, what did he end up going with? Well, he took the nine, and he minus the seven, and he gave you two. And we saw two lineup changes. We saw uh, Matic come back into the lineup for Seth Fabregas, and we saw William come in for Pedro. So that gave us uh, Hazard Costa, William up top. Alonzo, Matic, Conte, Moses in the mid, uh, Luis, Cahill, Asperquez in the back, and then Courtois between the sticks with some appearances from Fabregas, Zuma, and Bachelet off the bench. Uh, hashtag minute for Mishi. One. Yeah. Just one. Consistency from Conte, that is something we've come to uh, learn and expect from him. But Nick, uh, you know, I think no real surprise about Modic sliding in. We figure this would be a tough, gritty match. Maybe a little more surprise about William. Uh, maybe it was Conte's idea for the cornrows. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if uh, Antonio Conte would do that to anyone's hair, let alone his own. <laughs> uh, so I, I can't confirm that video. William playing for Shakhtar. And it's like, can you play like that again? And, and the message got a little mixed in the translation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that might've been it. Um, I was a little, a little, a lot surprised not to see Pedro in there uh, who had scored in every round. Uh, makes me wonder if he was not feeling great uh, heading into this match and it was just wasn't reported or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, I was surprised to see that. Um, and then, I was not surprised to see Nemanja Matic, and especially as the way this game unfolded, you understood why he was in there. No doubt about that. You know, we talked about this probably the last match. We're going to see a Begovic. Dan, you did call it, and sure enough, a Courtois back between the sticks, and uh, he had a pretty busy night. It was kind of interesting, but let's get into that in just a second. Uh, Let's start at the beginning. Um, Usually we kick off with goals, but before the first goal, there was another very important moment that happened. Obviously, that was the 35th minute when Ander Herrera saw a second yellow card within a 15-minute time span. Literally two fouls, both on Hazard, both yellow cards. Uh, The referee, Oliver, clearly, well, I guess this is up for debate, Nick, but I believe, and many other people believe, that he essentially told Smalling, United's captain, this situation that United was persistently fouling Hazard. But how dumb is it to foul Hazard for Herrera? Literally the next pass that happened after that incident. I mean, it was a a moment of madness. And and really, when you look at this game, I think I want to, Brandon, rewind uh, to the entire kind of first half because it was just ludicrous i mean uh i I was you know we put it in the group text and i'm I'm gonna say it here as a jose Mourinho admirer i was really disappointed in him today uh really disappointed in his approach to the game obviously he didn't have a full strength side but uh, it was clear from the off that their whole strategy was going to revolve around not letting hazard uh, run freely, and by not run freely, I'm, I mean kick him until he he literally was down on the ground five times before the red card, and it was a very Burnley esque approach uh, to taking turns, getting yellow cards, and and fouling. And uh, you know, I think that uh, I have to credit Michael Oliver, who you know I think might be the best referee in the Premier League. I don't want to jinx that right now. I'm going to knock on wood, but. 
Uh, I think he took a really measured approach here. Um, and I, I was listening to the sports bar uh, before uh, this podcast and uh, Goldstein uh, was, was talking about how it's not his, uh, not the referee's role to protect players. And uh, his Darren Lewis was his guest tonight. He said it absolutely was. I mean, this was something that was very obvious. It was a very obvious tactic. And I think uh, Oliver did a great job in, in, you know, bringing the captain over, bringing Phil Jones over, who had just committed the previous foul, and saying, look, guys, you got to cut this shit out. You have to stop it. And then it was it was like that, Brandon. Like you said, next foul, and, and he's done. And it wasn't a particularly bad foul, but I, I, th- I think he had to you know, stick to his word at that point that the next foul uh, on his yard was going to be uh, a yellow card. And unfortunately for Andrew Herrera, he was stupid enough to get his second. Mourinho has actually been on the other side defending Hazard and complaining to referees for this exact same thing. And apparently he just thought that he could get away with it. And um, surprisingly, yes, credit to Michael Oliver uh, for doing it. I listened to the exact same sportswear conversation. Uh, I thought Goldstein was being very petty uh, in his defense of United, which is unfortunate because had Cundy been on there, it would have been just oh, you know, the, the other way. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Dan, I guess as we look at the first half as a whole, you know, obviously the red card being a turning point, I think a big discussion was who actually dominated the first 30 minutes or so. Was it United for having a little bit more possession or for Chelsea actually creating chances that made um, De Gea make saves? What did you think? Uh, there were a couple of good chances too. You know, Hazard had that chance to, to silence some critics early. And uh, you know, De Gea stepped up uh, in two occasions, really, to uh, help kind of, you know, ward off danger. Like he was uh, the sole protector of the realm uh, for United. But, uh, you know, I think we, we worked ourselves into the game in that first half. I don't think we were looking as sharp or as clinical. Uh, definitely, you know, when you slot you know, one or two players back into a lineup uh, who haven't played as much or have been off a couple games, uh, that the intensity and then also the, the rhythm need to reappear. And then as we kind of work through that first half, once that penalty and once the uh, red card came through, you saw the, the entire way we played the game changed. And uh, it, it let, I think, signaled to everyone, hey, you know what, we, we, we can win this easily now. And, and I don't think there were very few times uh, outside of maybe a, a Luis, you know, kind of uh, cock up, which is so rare now to even think about um, where they even really had a chance or uh, a sniff at the goal after the fact. Next big thing, obviously, after halftime would have been Angolo Conte uh, assist William. And I'd like to give a shout out to at C underscore Rustrom, who corrected us. I believe you, Nick, on the spelling of Angolo Conte on the goal. <laughs> N apostrophe G-O-A-L-O. He scores when he wants. Can you believe that, Dan? Angolo Conte match winner FA Cup quarterfinal against Manchester United. Yeah, it, it's hard to think about what you like more. Uh, when you think about what you two said when they were talking about the sweetest thing, I, I think it might have been Angolo Conte goals <laughs> because it's the goal, it's the the celebration of not knowing what to do and, and just embracing the player closest to you and smiling while you do it. Uh, it it's the fact that it gives you a little bit of you know, online fodder for friends who are, you know, uh, unfortunately cursed as United fans. Uh, it, it's magical. It, it, it was really fantastic. You, you credit him for taking the shot outside, and you know, just we were not, you know, clinical at that point. And you know, on a, another day, De Gea makes that save, and you know, we're going into extra time. But it was, uh, it was really nice to see uh, and Cole get the, on the score sheet again. And uh, he likes the scores against United, so that, that's another way to. Uh, I mean, that right there alone. Probably another 10, 15 million on his purchase price right there. Uh, if he can score against United whenever he wants. <laughs> I, I would just like to quickly chime in that I fucking love this man a lot. And and I, I keep saying it week after week. Uh, first of all, you know, for a guy who has missed quite a few <laughs> chances by some distance this year, I mean, he, he's not a out and out uh, striker of the ball. Uh, this was a pretty sweet strike, um, and, and you know th- they made the comment on the on the telecast that it was 
you know, De Gea had jumped a little bit to his left, Brandon, and as the goalkeeper, he kind of put himself out of position. Uh, but the strike wasn't half bad. And then, you know, I think that the the photo that you texted the group, Brandon, was was perfect, and that is N'Golo Conte and Dave, I think, probably the two hardest workers on the team uh, celebrating together uh, like they just won the lottery uh, is, is just one of my moments of the season. And uh, for N'Golo Conte, the whole team comes over to him because they know how hard he works. I mean, I think that is like uh, the thing with him. And not only should he be PFA player of the year, everybody on this team respects him. He does so many different jobs. He's just incredible. And, uh, and I'll pro- I'll plot it's to him. It was it was amazing. Seriously, you need to go to Instagram and see Espy uh, Laqueta's picture of them jumping in the air, fully embraced, just the biggest smiles ever. It is it's amazing. It will literally take years off your life and make you younger. It will. Oh, it's it's like looking at puppy videos. It, it's <laughs> up a photo of a smiling child. I don't know how how you figure out a way to cure sadness but i imagine that photo is probably one of the ways do you remember when people doubted ngolo Conte and specifically fans from let's say arsenal or manchester united uh he's he's the class of league right now um and you know class of the fa cup today and uh, not enough uh superlatives to to land on him brandon yeah we're actually going to go ahead and have to wrap this up early because of the list just goes on and on (laughs) Uh, no, just kidding, obviously. Uh, first question, let's go ahead and uh, dig into this match a little bit deeper. I want to kick this off with, you know, very lighthearted discussion, nothing <laughs> too serious to go. But, you know, how about Conte and Mourinho clashing in the first half? Um, it, it's like your parents are fighting, Nick, almost seeing that. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, these are both incredibly fiery personalities, Um you know, both master tacticians, both masters of their craft. Uh, they are they are two alpha males, and you know Antonio Conte is a little bit more exuberant. But uh, but one might recall a young Jose Mourinho uh, sliding on the pitch at uh, at Old Trafford um, after uh, after a win uh, against Manchester United, and uh, and recall some of that same kind of energy. Um, so these these are very two similar personalities. Uh, the clash was directly after a foul on Marcus Alonso, which was like the 90th foul in the first half. And Antonio Conte just had enough. Uh, he, had, he had simply went over to the fourth official and then in uh, in so many words said, play ball, play ball, play ball, as in play football to Mourinho. Don't come here and try and hack our guys. And uh, I think he was right to do so. I mean, they both calmed down after that. So it wasn't like a Arsene Wenger shoving match, but uh, it's disappointing, you know, that uh, again that Jose came here to uh, to sh- you know really just try and um, what what looks like hurt our players, uh, try and take us out of the game physically, not not with skill. So, um, you know, that's all I really have to say about that. It's it's very disappointing. I know why Antonio Conte stood up for his players, and it was very effective. And another thing on that, you know, specifically, yes, Conte. He had he had finally talked out about this after the match. He said the same thing, you know, that they came to play football and the other team came to kick them. And he finally that's this is kind of like the most aggressive version of Conte ever. He's never really said anything. And it's still so light because, you know, that's just not the type of person and manager he is. And it's actually kind of refreshing, you know, to hear just you know, from a manager in general, like no slight against Jose or any other managers. I think just in general, uh, it also helps when things go your way. Um, Dan Mourinho has been labeled Chelsea, you know, or I'm sorry, Mourinho labeled Chelsea as a defensive team and called out Conte for his celebrations. And today a section of fans even chanted abuse at Jose. Is it possible for us as fans to still appreciate him while he's at a rival club, or does his personality make it impossible? Is it possible for a child to, to love a parent after divorce? Is it possible <laughs> to, to love a, a spouse in, in the same way? Uh, these are really tough questions, and I, I think the hard part is to tell people what to feel. 
And I think that's what I would not ascribe to do. But I think what we could say is that it's understandable to be frustrated or upset when someone that you thought cared about uh, you know, the club or the team or the players in a certain way, um, you know, comes in with a very physical game plan. You know, so I, I can understand the emotion. I can also understand the fact that, you know, Mourinho is responsible for three Premier League trophies. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that's a good thing. So, you know, to me, I, I understand it. Um, you know, I, I sometimes think that we're above it, you know, because we tend to be, you know, we're winning. We're, we're multiple points ahead at the table of the United this season. We just beat them in the FA Cup. Uh, we have a chance to, you know, go do a triple on them this season and, and deliver a third loss to them coming up. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much better you want it to be, um, but to me, the, the best way to treat him is to silently just let him know that it doesn't bother us because we're so far in a different altitude. It's like shouting down to the person, you know, almost from the top of Mount Everest down to the base camp that, you know, you, you give a shit what they think. <laughs> and, and right now, I, I don't. And it's not that I don't love what he did for a club previously, but yeah, he he manages the opposite side, and you have to. I think you should respect him, but that's also your right to feel upset and to feel hurt, and and that's okay too. Uh, you know, I just to me the, the best thing to do is just to not let it bother you because we are so far past you know his mind games. It it, it really shouldn't bother us. Yeah, I would. I would quickly say I was thinking during this game, and it, you know, just a crazy thought that in in two thousand, if you would have said this in two thousand seven or two thousand six or two thousand fifteen, you know, in in two thousand seventeen, Chelsea fans would be singing "F off, Mourinho," and you're not special anymore, and blah 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 blah. Like I would have never believed you. Um, and 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 really, I think it was kind of classless uh, from the fans. Like again. I understand that there's a lot of upset, hurt feelings for how last year went and how his exit went. Um, that's natural. There's, you know, I, I can't fault anyone for feeling that way, like Dan said. But, you know, I, why even, why even chant at him? You know, that's what every other fan base does. Like, it's so, it's so old. I mean, we, how many times when Josie Mourinho was our manager, did we go to another stadium and all you heard on TV was "f off, Mourinho," "f off." You know, it's just like so played out and uh you know i also think that his personality is so grating on opposite fan bases that it's almost like you need to say something but ignorance is bliss here like i'm i don't recommend ignorance in all situations but in this situation i do because he's gonna say whatever he can to get underneath people's skin whether it's players or opposition managers or fans you just got to let it go. We already know how this game is played. We've been a part of it, uh, seeing the inner workings of it. And, uh, you know, like after the game today, Brandon, he said that Pogba was the best player in the pitch. Of course Pogba wasn't the best player in the pitch. He's supporting his guy. And we've been in situations like that when Hazard wasn't at his best. And he said that, you know, Hazard got kicked off the pitch or whatever. So let it go. You all know how this game is played. Don't fall for it every single time. It's just it's just lunacy to do so. Yeah, fair enough. And I, and I just think that one point, you know, not totally condoning the fans, but Marino has taken a couple shots at the home fans earlier in the season by saying Manchester United had the most passionate fans he's ever been around. I understand both sides. So, uh, and we definitely like when Mourinho was our coach in the glory days. We were. I would. I would openly admit to my friends, say, I understand why you hate him, but he's ours, and we embrace it. And now that we're on the other side of that, we're getting a first, uh, you know, firsthand take on what it's like. But it's like it's like Costa. Yes. Same thing. Same thing. Except Costa turned it around, ex- except for today a little bit. But we can get into that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. You can always turn it. Go ahead, Dan. But here's the interesting thing is that you know, now we have a manager in Antonio Conte who, who we love. And also, most of the other teams and organizations and, and you know, players you know, love him as well, too. And I think it's a very unique transition to have made from someone who you know, is divisive as Mourinho, as a character personality, to go to Antonio Conte, who has won 
hearts and minds of people in the club, but also people within you know, the, the Premier League as well for you know, just the, the class act that he is. And I think that's the thing to be excited about is that we have someone who, who is also, again, a serial winner. He loves to win, but he does so in a different way. And, and bask in that, like that is, that is the refreshment right there. That's, that's the Mentos moment. <laughs> All right. Those moments. <laughs> Damn. Your analogies. Even That's, in Italy, still on point. Uh, we're going to go ahead and reach out to them for a sponsorship. Brilliant. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, guys, you know, there was a lot of chatter about the no handshake at the end of the match, but I'm not really surprised because Fox Soccer tends to really do surface nut level analysis. So, how about a deeper question for either one of you? Um, was this the most intense match we've had so far this season? Ooh, um, I would say no, and only because I think that when you look at some of the earlier matches we had in the winning streak, I would I would look at Tottenham and and City. I think those were way more contentious. There wasn't as much fouling in those matches, but it was more end to end. It was more chaotic. Uh, this was just kind of a shit game wrapped up in a lot of extracurriculars. Yeah, I, I would go with uh, the Tottenham matches probably haven't been the most um, bam, bam, bam kind of moments that we've seen this season. And I think us drawing them for Wembley for the next round is just, just the perfect transition off this game into something uh, maybe even more uh, less calm of a, of a setting. <laughs> All right, fair enough. You know, I thought that it was an extremely intense match. I, I just want to throw it out there. But listeners, uh, let me know what you guys think as well. You know, kind of thinking about the different games we've had this season. You know, obviously emotions were a little bit higher with Mourinho at the helm and different things. But uh, I was just trying to think back and um, nothing came off the top of my head. But as always, Nick and Dan, they've got answers for me. Uh, you know, question number two here as we continue through this match. Nemanja Matic and William obviously were reinstated to the lineup this match. So how do you think they fit in after not starting, uh, you know, very often in the recent past, Dan? Well, I think Nemanja Matic made sense, uh, especially when the initial word started to come out to that uh, there would be no maybe observed striker in the lineup. And that was kind of the, the first wave of thought of, okay, maybe Fulani will play a false nine, which is uh, comical of an idea in a presentation. Um, but the, you know, I think the height on the pitch that uh, Fabregas is not going to add that Maddich does in the midfield, especially, you know, uh, and the steal he provided there was really, really helpful throughout the match. And you know, I think Lynn, for not having played as much this season, you know, came out and, and worked hard. I think he, you know, he still has the maddening uh, overstep, triple step that he'll do before uh, crossing a ball or you know, even attempting a shot. But he also had one that almost went in, uh, and you, you wish it did for him because you know, that's, that would have been an amazing confidence booster. But to assist Conte's goal, uh, you know, they both did very well. I, I think credit to... Conte has done to build the side that you know can have these rotations of two to three you know, starting eleven players and continue to fire. Uh, it didn't look sharp initially, but as the game built on, they definitely were able to both assert themselves. I felt. Nick, you do want to touch on either of those guys and how they did? Uh, I mean, I think it was hard to pick out their performance, frankly. Um, you know, I think William, it does what he does. I mean, he got the assist today. I thought he played relatively well. I mean, but no, the thing is, like, no one played great today. Uh, you know, I, there was, you know, except for N'Golo Conte and, and, you know, Ed Nazard, you know, I think that everyone else was kind of crap um, as a whole. Going forward, you know, defending, we were obviously resolute and I think really solid, but... Um, but yeah, you know, I don't think either one stood out, you know, I'm not sure, you know, that Pedro or Sesco would have done any better. So again, you know, I think it's impossible to make that, you know, comparison if, if you're looking for a little spice to this, but, um, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad we saw Sesco at the end, I think kind of switching up into what was kind of a weird 
three five two ish thing at the end was was interesting and you know I think uh, Matic you know really was a stronghold you know where you know shoving Herrera and Pogba off the ball or Sask is obviously not going to do that so um, definitely saw the rationale and and hope that uh, they can continue their performances. All right, well, then we might as well get you fired up about something. Did Hazard show up today? He did. He did. He really did. Um, Ooh, and I'm, buddy. I'm very, I was very glad he did because, you know, again, I think Dan will allude to this as well. The first 10, 15 minutes of this game were a slog. I mean, neither team could complete a pass, and it was that little back heel flick and, you know, kind of shimmy shake that he did in, in sequences that opened up their defense for the first time, and, once that happened, it was, you know, we had that three shot flurry and I think that really set the tone for the match. And then he got kicked the shit out of it for, you know, the next 40 minutes. But um, I thought he played pretty well. I would have loved to see him get that goal, but uh, he was definitely the guy that Mourinho targeted and he, uh, he made that come true as, as to why he was targeted. I mean, Hazard destroyed Smalling at the halfway line just sent him back to grade school. And then to your second point about Hazard getting kicked everywhere, at one point, Phil Jones plowed through the back of Hazard at the top of our own 18. Like, you can't tell me that United weren't targeting him if Phil Jones is tracking him 75 yards down the other side of the field in our defensive third. Yeah, that's a man-marking strategy, you know, as we saw throughout the game, though. And it would have been interesting to have seen you know, two elevens go for the full 90 here because I, I think it, it would have been continued to have been toughly contested. And I, 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 you play this game a hundred times with the way that it was running. I don't know if you make it to both sides having 11 men uh, in, in 85 or 90% of them. But, you know, Hazard, I think, continued to show today that, you know, he, he is a big game player. And, you know, we, we definitely you know, find him at times, you know, ebbing in and out of, you know, smaller games. But when it came to the fact that, he, you know, he was not going to let other people assert dominance over him. And, and you know, I think that, you know, the, what I was reading from the United fans was how maybe easily uh, Hazard went down. And, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I would probably go down pretty easily after the sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, you know, attempt on my legs or my shins or my back or, you know, my head, whatever it might be that uh, are being acted upon me. So you know, I, I think, you know, persistent fouling you know, is something that exists in the game. It was you know, very clear that it was being very cynically attempted and, and you know, you tend to pay the price and hazard makes it difficult because he is so good and he's so quick and he can, he can turn you and, and like, you know, Brandon said, you know, Chris Smalling uh, has been you know, sent back to grade school right now, and you know, he's just sitting there waiting for you know another 18 years for a shot to go at Hazard again. Uh, you know, we got a tweet from at the Monty Show retweeting actually about uh, you know Hazard getting stamped on by Rojo, and I thought Rojo had a very dirty game. Obviously, he was getting Diego Costa riled up the whole time. Um, but man, I tell you what, if you want to talk about going down lightly, uh, let's go ahead and have a discussion about that United fans, because that was one upsmanship on Ibrahimovic's elbow. Yeah, I think that's going to be a three to five match ban retroactively. And it should be, he's a clown. He's not even a good defender. Like, I don't really know what his purpose is on the pitch. And, uh, I, I think I can say the same in this match about Andrew Herrera, about Phil Jones, um, Pogba had a couple of bad challenges. Uh, it goes on and on and on. I actually think Smalling was the only one to me who didn't ever really get dirty with it. But Ashley Young, like the fucking clown. Are you kidding me? You're not even good. He chopped just, Moses. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like, you know, I, I would understand, you know, if, if Andrew Herrera, you know, who's known as a pretty fiery midfielder, had a couple of bad challenges. But Valencia came in two-footed studs up jumping down at N'Golo Conte's legs. Uh, and and I'm pretty sure that's going to get a, a retroactive one game ban as well. I mean, it was it was a clown car today. And I really hope that wasn't 
meant to be the game plan. That's what that's all I'll say. Because if that was meant to be the game plan, people could have been seriously hurt today. Young's uh, won't be it won't be more action because Oliver actually called a foul on it and somehow right. didn't give a card on a two footed lunge. But you know, anyways, I don't want to get too wrapped up into it. I think that um, it was a it was a difficult match, obviously for Chelsea, and you know, I think that that took a little bit of the quality off it. And uh, I guess with that being said, rolling into question three, personally, I was just so impressed with how strong Chelsea ended the match they were chasing down manchester united to the 95th minute more than united were actually even chasing the goal nick the fitness level and effort was great to see even if as we were just talking about the quality of skill was lacking and i think a lot of that was down to united's tactics maybe not officially but at least how the game panned out yes this comes from the manager you you finish strong you know, you you don't let up because when you let up, the Lanzini goal last week happens. And I'm pretty sure that Antonio Conte would have had an aneurysm if they would have scored in the 93rd minute or something like that. So uh, finishing strong, I'm sure, was the point of emphasis this week. And uh, they do it. They do it all the time. Even when we don't notice, they do it. And uh, I think the commitment from this team, if you're looking for a word of the day, commitment is it. Uh, can we get a spelling on that? No, I'm only kidding. Uh, I don't want to. I, I can't actually spell, so <laughs> we're, we're, we're done. Dan, this, and by this, I mean a heat map in the script that our listeners can't see, but you just have such a way of describing pieces of art. Take it away. Well, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, being in Florence and, and, and being in a pan place of you know, many uh, Italian masterpieces uh, this this could hang uh, in, in many of the galleries with uh, <laughs> of greens and, and yellows and, and oranges and reds because on, on one half there's that and then another half there's like these blobulous masses and, and one of the largest parts of United's heat map is David De Gea <laughs> which yeah. speaks to the night they had and, you know, you look at, you know, their corner flags where we had 10 to 2, you know, their corner flags on our map spotted up. There's an ours, not at all. So it really was, you know, just, it, it's glorious. It almost looks like a, like Slimer uh, from Ghostbusters just floated around on the entire pitch and just slimed it and then let, walked away. We'll tweet we'll tweet this out as well as it'll be in the show notes, so you can head to our website LondonIsBluePodcast.com to check it out. But as Dan says, I mean Chelsea literally Nick covered the entire pitch all ninety minutes. So we're talking green, not even just light blues. And where United, they had thirty five yards and in from their goal. And then the flanks because you know they were just looking to break on the counter out wide. Rashford got the ball. Nowhere near the center of the field. He only got it out wide. The same with their wing players. And United barely, barely has a footprint in our 18 or even around the 18. So again, for United fans saying that uh, they dominated at the beginning, there's really not a lot of evidence that it was that threatening. Fake news. Um, yeah, I know. I would say really quickly if you if you rewind your your mind back to when we got to see the team train in July I think this is why Hazard was doing extra sprints this is why they did the rondo drill which is notoriously hard for what 30 minutes or something like that I mean this is why Conte put them through two days all of, all of that stuff and and if you remember we got to see Dave and Miazga who were dead ass tired like trying to talk to us without falling asleep i mean this is why today is why this no one is out working us this year it's it's a little bit of you know you need a little bit of luck to beat chelsea and um you know that i think you know tottenham's the only team that's come close to matching us so pretty impressive overall and and dan just described a, a picasso in my mind Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for the for the great work you have. Uh, let's go ahead and just kind of wrap this one up. Any other thoughts on this match, Dan, that you kind of wanted to bring up that maybe I missed? Yeah, yeah I think the only thing we, we touched on briefly was the uh, Courtois save on the one Rashford attempt, which uh, he, he definitely broke well. And I, I think Thibaut deserves a lot of credit for that. I also think Cahill forced him to make a bad shot. And I think 
you know, to me, he always gets a little, you know, whipped on when he does something poorly, but I actually thought he did really well there defensively to put Courtois in a position to, to make a save um, and make it easier for him. Yeah. If you want to break it down a little bit. Yeah. If you want to break it down a little bit real quickly, Cahill made sure to take away Rashford's right foot and also the bigger part of the field. He kept him in the wide channel. So even when he did get it on his right foot, he wasn't able to open up and hit a back post. He, I mean, he did really cut down the angle. Uh, It wasn't the prettiest thing, but I think at the end of the day, uh, Cahill actually did a really good job to, make it as difficult as possible for Rashford. And then, you know, Courtois being the massive gangle sore he is, just ate it up. So, Nick, over to you. Any other thoughts before we get to your man of the match poll? Um, No. I think let's just dive into it. And, uh, you know, shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> and Conte wins going away. There was a couple of shots for Courtois, but I had uh, 81% for Conte, 17% for Hazard. I put Louise in there and he gets 0% of the vote, which, you know, I'm looking at you guys last week, like what the hell? Uh, and then 2% for William. Uh, there was, you know, it was a complete team effort, uh, but Conte definitely stood out. A couple of tweets after this that I thought were amusing. Uh, Frank Celeste said, for options two through four, you misspelled Conte. Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's super funny. And then, uh, and then Michael Essien, uh, who, you know, my my favorite Chelsea player uh, tweeted after the game, and Golo Conte is my Premier League player of the season. Um, which you know, I, I think Joe Joe tweets and and I would would uh, you know blue heart that all day. Um, so that's pretty fantastic. Uh, he's the man of the match for me, damn near every week, and uh, and deserved it today. Yeah, don't forget about Jeff Borsello. He would totally get on that uh, that bandwagon. That's right. All the smart guys. <laughs> All right. Well, the FA Cup semifinal draw was immediately after the match. Chelsea drew Tottenham and Arsenal drew City. You know, there was really no great draw out of all of that, especially with a one-match playoff in the semis at Wembley. We'll see what Kane's diagnosis is. He was injured in their match against Millwall yesterday, so there are rumors that he might be out for the rest of the season, and they really don't have much of a replacement for him. We'll we'll see what happens when we get there, but that is how the rest of the FA Cup uh, looks from here on out. Guys, that's a wrap on the match review. Phenomenal job. I appreciate the hard work and effort. Time to take a quick breather, though, listeners. We've got another deal for you, and guess what? It's coming at you right now. When we get back, social media questions from all of you. Here we go. Hey, Dan, if you wanted a nice, clean, white Chelsea kit, um, where could you possibly get one of those? Uh, I probably would not get it after a, a Chelsea match because they, they tend to pick up a little that, that green grass or that, that, that mm. dirt on it. You know, I, I probably want to use worldsoccershop.com, Nick, right? That's right. Uh, right now, $59.99 for a, a third kit. Uh, go get one. There's, they're incredibly inexpensive right now. And I think they're they're one of the cleanest, uh, nicest kits that Adidas has produced in the last few years. Ironically, in the last year of the sponsorship. So go to worldsoccershop.com using a referral link and, uh, and we'll hook you up. All right, Chelsea fans, it's time for your social media questions. Apparently, we are kicking it off with Facebook. If you don't know about our group on Facebook, head to groups and search London is Blue Podcast. Read pod. London is Blue Pod. That's why we have a team. (laughs) Reed kicking us off and says, how much stick is appropriate for Jose? We gave him the F off chant tonight. I think it was deserved coming from Reed, but he says, what is the line? We respect what he's done, but he isn't very respectful to the club anymore. Thoughts, Nick. Um, Yeah, I think there is a line. I I wouldn't personally do the F off chant. That's not how I roll. Um, But I, I think that, you know, again, it's up to you. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it going forward again, just kind of ignore him and, uh, and just keep it, keep it classy, San Diego. Stephen Clark asks, Dan, is this the hardest working Chelsea team in history in terms of pure effort and determination? And you might want to clarify how far back maybe 
you, you know, this goes for you because obviously we didn't all grow up in the seventies and eighties watching the Chels. That, that's true. Uh, gosh, uh, that's a really good question. I would say that they're, they're probably up there at the top, just from a, a possession standpoint. Um, I, I feel like this, this actually probably begs a larger question, which is where, where does this like, you know, where are all the statistical elements of this team rank against other you know, winning, you know, very, very winning sides that Chelsea's kind of put out and produced. Um, I think we looked at it from the, you know, the Abramovich era. You know, so we look at like 03 forward. Um, you know, maybe the, the, the Champions League winning side. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this, this 506 side is pretty decent too. But yeah. then there's, there's like a difference too between like Chelsea are making up a lot of maybe quality gap in some areas with, you know, working. And I think that the amount of pressing they do on the other team opens up chances where like a lot of those early in like Marino years and the Ancelotti years, we literally just like played teams off the pitch. And I wouldn't say that's always the case this season, but I guess maybe I would just point out the amount that our midfielders and even some of our wing winger that are getting back and winning the ball back. I think that's what sticks out the most to me, at least right now. I think, I think that's probably the thing that, that's different is, you know, playing in the three, four, three, you know, with wingers of both sides, you know, you see the, the fact that Alonzo in some matches covers more ground than N'Golo Conte and he covers the earth. So what does that mean? Alonzo cover like the, the solar system or you know, <laughs> earth, earth and the moon. Um, but like that, that's that's the, the thing. The work ethic is, is so commendable. Um, but I, I think this begs a larger question. Maybe postseason we can uh, you know, do a little conversation around just where this team ranks in terms of some of those numbers in comparison to uh, prior Chelsea teams. All right. Uh, Ashish Pillai asks, does Conte's... And we're talking about Angolo Conte's outstanding box-to-box play mean Conte goes into the transfer window looking for another box-to-box mid, like maybe a Verratti or Nangolin? Or does he stick with Fabregas and Modic to partner Conte? Um, I think personally, it seems to be working well where Angolo Conte can just do his thing and someone can play off him. We've seen Matic thrive under that. I mean, think about Matic had like five, six, seven assists in the first half of the season. Obviously, it hasn't been the same the second half, uh, but he definitely thrived. And then also Fabregas, again, has a just as many assists in way less minutes. So um, it's kind of interesting. I think that Conte is going to have a really clear idea of what he wants that midfield to look like. And I don't know what that is because that guy has an idea of what he wants his teams to look like. And even though Chelsea is really successful this season, we've talked about this before. This isn't a Champions League caliber squad all the way through. So I think that he's still going to look to change the way the team looks as we head into next season. At least that's kind of my opinion. Do either one of you guys you know, have maybe a little bit better developed opinion on this, Nick? I would, I would say that we will probably keep both and add um, because, you know, like you said, Brandon, that adding the Champions League in is a whole different ballgame and the quality standard has to go up. And, you know, even though PSG went out to Barcelona kind of controversially, um, you know, a guy like Verratti played his tail off in that, uh, in, in that fixture. And I think that, you know, you look at it, that's the level that you have to kind of acquire in the off season to go and, and do big things in that competition. So um, having four options in midfield or five options, you know, throwing shallow Bay in there uh, is not a bad thing. I, I will say that I, I will be scouting Nangolin on Sunday when I go see Roma play. So uh, I'll pass on some notes to, to Conte in the club. Yo, get Toddy's autograph for me. Dude's a legend. One of the magic selfies, right? Oh, Salah. You can say how to Mo Salah. There he is. Oh, man, I can. Yeah, he's doing well. He's doing real well. Hey, get that exclusive for the for the website. Thanks. <laughs> All right, let's keep, let's keep it moving. Um, Jay Hill asked if it was a harder game because of the sending off, uh, thinking once they had pressed for so long, they would be tired. 
Um, they would be tired out to leave more open space for Chelsea to attack them. Uh, Nick, what do you think about this? Honestly, you know, to tee you up, I didn't, you just kind of hard to tell that it was 10 v 11 in the second half at times, but that's also because United were playing a pretty compact style from the beginning. Yeah, I really think it would have been this, the same level of, of challenge with 11 men. Um, I think they would have probably gone forward a little bit more, but you know, again, it was just a hard-fought game. Both teams didn't want to give an inch, and so in that, you definitely would want to have eleven men. But I understand Jay's uh, level of thinking here. Uh, I just want to go ahead and give Patrick a shout out because he didn't ask a question. He just says Dave for man of the match. So uh, we just want to share that opinion with you guys and let him know if you agree. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Oh, let's go again. Um. We have a bunch of double up. You guys are so amazing. We have so many questions on Facebook. I appreciate this. Uh, Brett asked, why didn't Fabregas start? Man United without a quality attacker doesn't require additional defense in midfield. You know, Dan, I think hindsight being 2020, um, we probably needed Modic to really break up the play, especially after the red card when Fellaini came in. Yeah, I think that was the concern was that, you know, when you put Fabregas out there, I mean, really you're looking at Alonzo, Cahill, um, is kind of adding the height on the pitch, uh, you know, Costa as well, but he's so far forward, you know, you need, you know, someone who can, you know, contest the aerial balls, who can, you know, be available in the box. And, you know, Fabregas uh, does a lot of things great. Those would not be two of the things that uh, I would task him as being plus skills that he has. All right, let's jump over to Twitter quick as we go to wrap these up at just Badu it. Uh, he asked, we should have let Ake stay at Bournemouth and continue his development because he can't even make the bench. Not obviously what we wanted to see. Um, I think that if he's making the Premier League bench, there's still hope for him. Uh, a lot of people were calling for him to maybe get a shout at wing back, even though Alonzo, I mean, I, guys, I think that there's no way Conte is going to change that the rest of the season unless he has to. Um, it, it's tough. Aki's gotten some minutes. Man. He's, gotten, he's gotten some minutes. It's not been a complete failure. He has. And here's the thing. It's just like insurance. You hate paying for insurance, but when you have to use it, you feel really good that you had it in place. And, you know, we brought back a player who would be starting in, in not just one, but I think in a couple Premier League sides in, in Nathan Ake. And while it sucks that he's not getting that developmental time, think about the time that he is getting uh, on the training ground you know, with, with Conte, with you know, the, the style and the philosophy of play, uh, so that maybe he does get an opportunity uh, as we wind down the season here. Because if we continue on the path we're on now, uh, we should hopefully have games left to play that he could get some quality minutes in at the end of the season. But again, it's insurance. You hope that you don't have to use it. Uh, it's really good because you get an injury to Cahill, you get an injury to Alonso, you, you have someone who can slot in naturally. Uh, and that's a really good thing to have and, and make sure that we're really solid for this, this final push. That's a really good analogy. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, at N Nathan Allen 20 asks, Nick, Zuma for Cahill? Question mark. Hashtag, I think it's time. Uh, yeah, we I saw this a lot today. Uh, yeah, so did I, I. I was like, you know, look, I, I don't think Gale's a long-term solution here. I think we all kind of see that and agree with that. And I think that, you know, sooner rather than later, he, you know, won't be a starter. But, you know, especially in this match, I didn't see any need, you know, to kind of call him out. I mean. He almost scored. Yeah, he almost did score, and he does have a knack for scoring um, in, in big games too. So, uh, look, I I can't make this call right now. I, I think Cahill would start over Zuma ninety nine percent of the time, and you know, as soon as Zuma gets that full match fitness back, and we get him in for a couple more matches, and he really starts to kind of show what he can do, you know, then then it's maybe a competition. But right now, I mean, he's still just the fourth guy in in, in a three and. You know, Ake would be a fifth, Terry would be a sixth. I mean, you know, the, look, I, I can't make that call. I'm sorry, Nathan. 
I'd agree. Cahill's built up too much equity over the length of the season so far, in my mind as well. If Swansea didn't kill him in the third week of the season, he can't die. They tried. Uh, last question at Vinesh5288 says, do you think Jose just threw out a challenge to Conte? Uh, he's referring to Mourinho saying he will always be number one until someone wins more than his three league titles. Uh, so is that a challenge to Conte? You know, I, I don't think so. I think it's just Jose's way of confirming to himself and, you know, his reaction to the fan saying he's still number one even if you hate me um i would love yeah. to see conte win four just because that means there's four more titles for chelsea yeah i love it game on let's go all right thank you all so much again for your questions again you can email us facebook us uh or tweet us eric email man i saw it i appreciate you we will catch you on the next side real quick last break before we bring it on home with a match preview of Stoke City. Here we go. Dan, to honor the man of the match uh, today, Ingolo Conte, what does World Soccer Shop have going on? Well, Nick, that's a, a wonderful question because they have uh, the Ingolo Conte home kit uh, available for eighty nine ninety nine, and, and that thing covers you. Mm-hmm. Man. I, I don't know, like, like a, a, a warm blanket out of the, the dryer, um, it covers you, uh, you know, like uh, like white on rice, as they say. <laughs> uh, that thing is just, you know, it's going to like bundle you up and you're going to be ready to face all the elements and uh, terrible pogba tackles that you can find. I would also say that it, it might cover you like a, a Cesar Azpilicueta hug after you score a goal. Who's really to say? Um, anyway, go to worldsoccershop.com using our referral link and uh, 89.99 get that bad boy before the uh, the end of the year and and wear it proudly all right let's go ahead and run it on home with our match preview looking ahead to stoke city in a premier league matchup heading over to the bet 365 stadium this coming saturday March 18th. As we look at it, Chelsea have won 18 of their last 21 Premier League matches. There have been under two and a half goals scored in eight of Stoke's last nine home games. (laughs) Weird. Hmm. And Stoke are undefeated in their last eight home matches in the Premier League. So obviously, Nick, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bit of a tough matchup. You know, this is the you know, can you win away at Stoke on a rainy night? Nonsense. But Chelsea have won four matches away, and Stoke have actually pulled two over Chelsea while at home. If if this match against United did anything, it was get us ready for Stoke. <laughs> wait, wait, we weren't playing Stoke is what you're telling me, because you could swap the jerseys last night, and I would have believed you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, we're only missing uh, Ryan Shawcross's ugly face, and, and you would have definitely known it was Stoke. But, uh, but yeah, I think this will be another physical match. They love playing that way at home. Uh, I think the, the refereeing will have to be on point here. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking to some of our, our players who kind of maxed out in this match to, uh, to get on the recovery train now and, and really get ready and Hopefully his art is is good to go uh, because he is the kind of player that can tear them to shreds. Yeah, pending he doesn't get kicked off the pitch, of course. Uh, bit of a wild one earlier in the season at home, Chelsea 4, Stoke 2. Uh, but as we kind of look at it, Stoke, two wins, a draw, and a couple losses. Obviously their last match being that 0-0 draw at Man City, which is probably a big one for them. And they've just been kind of hanging out back, watching, waiting as the matches happen this weekend. Chelsea on another unbeaten streak, three wins, two draws in their last five. Uh, Dan, as you look at, you know, top player statistics, obviously Chelsea's, um, you know, players throughout the season so far have been significantly better across the board. But we know Stoke can put in a shift and they almost like take pride in trying to ruin teams' title-winning chances and, like, their title-winning runs, don't they? Yeah, they're a hard team to play. They're hard-headed, hard-nosed. Everything about them is kind of, uh, you know, hard. So I think, ultimately, this will be a very physical battle. And, you know, United, uh, I'll also say, can't do it as well 
with the players that they have and the way that Stoke can play a very, very physical game. So to me, the game against United was really the warm-up for uh, what we can expect from a Stoke side that likes to, to play a physical game, likes to bully. I think the key will be is, is can Diego Costa continue to snip the back of that net and, and keep kind of control of the rage demon that lives inside him uh, for 90 plus minutes so that we can uh, channel that energy for, for good and, uh, and walk away with three points. I think one interesting thing matchup, Nick, that we're going to have to look out for is if Peter Crouch starts up top. So one of Stoke's best strengths are aerial duels. And one of Chelsea's, actually Chelsea's only weakness, according to whoscored.com, is our aerial duels as well. So it's kind of crazy to think like we could, we I mean, we don't really cross the ball going forward, so that's not going to be an issue. We're going to try to play the ball in behind Stoke and run past them all day. But defensively, again, that Dave conundrum is if they put Peter Crouch, even he could probably be a handful for Louise and Cahill as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the kind of the matchups to look out for. I mean, Costa had some fun uh, with their back line as well. So I think it might be a a striker's day, but um, you would look for a guy like Arnautovic to, you know, who hasn't been great this year, but is still a threat uh, whenever he plays to, uh, to possibly show up as well. Um, They're, they're a physical team and Crouch is, you know, obviously not the most stout individual, but is, is clearly good at, positioning his giraffe-like neck to uh to latch onto a ball and uh you know i think our our defense having just faced andy carroll uh, a couple weeks ago would uh would be ready for that challenge yes thankfully we did get a little bit of a warm-up uh in that match which which was kind of nice but uh you know arnautovic did have a double over middlesbrough uh, a couple weeks ago. So, you know, but he's so hot and cold. You know, he wanted that big contract extension, moved to a big team a couple seasons ago and never materialized. And I just don't think anyone really, um, you know, really believes in him to be there. So hopefully we can keep him uh, quiet. I haven't heard much from Shakiri lately. Uh, so I think that our biggest concern against a team like Stoke is going to be the set pieces, you know, right corner kicks, free kicks inside our defensive half where they're just going to lump it into the box and hopefully uh, Courtois can get big and be aggressive. I know, you know, that always hasn't been his strength, Nick, but I think he's gotten a little bit better on, on some of those pieces. But I guess, Dan, I just want to flip it to you, you know, real quick to wrap this one up uh, on Stoke and, um, you know, they're going to have a little bit more rest than we are, but I don't think that's much of a big deal. But do you think we'll see the same lineup that we saw uh, tonight in the FA Cup match, you know, with Matic and N'Golo Kante in the midfield? Yeah, I, I think Matic has to start in, in a game like that. And I think the only other change is uh, I probably think that you bring Pedro back out and, and let him just just terrorize the, uh, the Stoke defense with his pace. Because if you have Eden Hazard and Pedro and cost to worry about that that is uh, as they would say a handful to deal with and uh, not what what any backline right now in the Premier League or, or potentially across Europe uh, would would really want to face all right yeah, i agree yeah. with that i mean i think pedro has to come back and you know it would be interesting to me uh, if Fabregas did play in this match, depending on, you know, kind of his matchup with Joe Allen, you know, who's not a, a super physical guy, um, you know, that, that would be interesting. I think that might be the only reason that, that Sask might play. But I also thought, too, that, you know, because Sask had started the last couple of Premier League matches, that Modic starting the, the FA Cup is, you know, it's almost like their role reversed a little bit from from previously in the season. So, um, I, you know, I don't think Conte is that locked into a system, but it, it could be that Fabregas comes back for the Premier League. All right. Well, that is going to go ahead and do it for this a podcast, Chelsea fans. Thank you for waiting an extra day to Tuesday to listen to us. You know, last week you guys waited and it was one of our, uh, it was a very successful week in downloads. So we would just ask that, you know, is my final thought, you guys continue to share uh, our episodes when you like them. And most importantly, engage with us. We're fans just like you. We want to talk to you. We want to hear what you have to say. So again, thank you so much. Feel free to Facebook message us. You can tweet at us. 
excuse me, you can Instagram message us, you can email us, you can, I don't know, send send a letter uh, to Brit's Pub and address it to London is Blue. They'll know who to get it to. Uh, but with that being said, Nick, your uh, final thought. Uh, two final thoughts, really. Uh, first is whoever made the graphic with finding Pogba, where he's a little fish, um, is so good. And I'm sure that's been circulating for a long time, but uh, excellent work on that. Uh, my real shout out is to Clayton Bierman, who is a, a frequent guest on the Chelsea Fancast, a, a show that we love. And uh, he's written a couple of articles recently that are just fantastic. So if you go to ChelseaFanCast.com, uh, you can see his articles there. He's he's a great, great guest of the show in, in previous years. And it's uh, a reminder, we need him to get him back on the on the show. So I'll need to do that. But go check out his writing. He's great. Dan, what about you, my man? You know, I'm in the uh, the country of uh, Il Conte uh, in Italy, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to going to see uh, actually Roma play next weekend. Uh, so uh, look out for some from updates uh, next week as, as uh, I kind of keep an eye on on Rudiger, on uh, you know, on, on Golan, and, and maybe you know, share some of those thoughts on the podcast next week. But uh, thank you for the uh, the wonderful people who tweeted at me some good wishes and, and recommendations of things to do. I appreciate it. Fantastic. Please tell your wife that we're sorry for keeping you up at 4.30 in the morning there. Yeah, no one else is awake in our Airbnb right now. And uh, I have cautiously been monitoring my vocal levels. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone at the pod that is listening thinks you're a hero. So thank you so much. Uh, My last shout out just goes to Remy on Facebook. Uh, I didn't call you up for your questions, but I think we did talk about Conte being the best defensive midfielder and easily the player of the year shout from us. So Remy, our Facebook fan page messages, you are the man. But that is a wrap, Chelsea fans. It is so late. I need to go to bed and get this pod produced. So thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. You all are amazing, and we thank you. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.